Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. We're an LDS couple who struggled with unwanted pornography in our marriage for many years. What was once our greatest struggle and something we thought would destroy us has become our greatest blessing and triumph. Our hope is that as you listen to our podcast each week, you'll be filled with hope and healing and realize that you too can thrive beyond pornography and create the marriage you have always desired. Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography. We're so glad you're here and we believe in you. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Thrive Beyond Pornography. I'm your host, Darcy Spafford, and today Zach's with me. He hey. gets to be the sidekick. I get to be the sidekick? What What does that mean, now that I'm the sidekick? I don't know, that you're going to do most of the talking That I'm going to do most of the talking <laughs> still? Okay, that's perfect. Um, so we just wanted to invite you guys to come to our free webinar this Thursday. It's going to be on how you can quit porn now and thrive beyond pornography as a couple. Uh, you can register at the link zackspafford.com forward slash free call. We'd love to see you there. And we'll put a link in the show notes so you can find it there as well. This this last week I had a call. I had an interesting call with one of my clients. He's been doing really well. And he asked a really interesting question. He had just been called into a bishopric as a counselor. So, you know, he's he's not chosen to view pornography for about six months He's a business owner, he's a father, he's a husband, and he said, I have two things on my mind, but let's start with this one. So his question was, how do I get my mind right with all the stuff coming down, all the different roles and actions that need to be taken? What was weighing on his mind is, I, you know, as we talked, what was weighing on his mind was essentially this new, really demanding challenge of being in a bishopric you know, adding that to his life, and he's worried that he might fall back into old coping strategies to deal with this in the, with the issues of the increased responsibilities. That he's and, taken and just stress that would right. be involved in that. Right. And I think a lot of people have this come up, especially as they find that they are more successful at not choosing pornography. And really, if I rephrase the question, it's how do I position myself to continue the success that I've been having? And that's, I think, essentially what he was asking. And I think if you're listening to this, you know, you might be asking that very same question. You might be thinking, how do I do that? How do I put myself in that and, position? And really, you could be at two weeks, or you could be at two months, or you could be at two minutes, right? right. Like, yeah. wherever you are on your journey, this still applies to you, whether it's that you haven't chosen porn for six months or six minutes. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's an accurate depiction, because... The truth is, the whatever success you have, there's going to be a question. How do I keep going? So I'd like to share with you what I shared with him. While and what you know, this may not be the exact right answer for you or for every single person out there or for every situation. But I think these are pretty universal ideas that can help almost anyone, and that will probably help you as you put pornography behind you and start creating the life that you want, and thriving beyond pornography. 
And if, if you're ready to put the things that we talk about into practice, into like real live, I'm going to make this happen, and you're committed to not simply overcoming pornography now, but also creating and building the relationship that you want, you can, you can also sign up for a free consult at zackspafford.com slash workwithzach. So one of the biggest reasons that men and women struggle with pornography is that it has been a reliable way to mitigate and manage emotions, stress, and other discomforts. So if you have a moral objection to pornography and you're utilizing porn, one of the reasons you're probably utilizing porn is to manage yourself. So when I asked, when, when my client, when this guy that I was talking to asked me the question of how do I keep my mind right as I take on these new roles and responsibilities, it was, you know, it was pretty obvious that his concern was that he didn't want to fall back into his old ways of dealing with stress as new stresses come on. When new stresses come into our lives, our old ways of dealing with stress can easily come up as our minds try to figure things out. And having taught him the key skills that he needs to address when his mind offers him pornography with the old urge patterns, it seems likely to me that while he had started to become master of his behaviors that he had previously turned to, he wasn't yet creating a fulfilling life. And creating a fulfilling life is one of the surest ways to move beyond your old patterns and never go back. So if I think about an, an, a job that I've had, and it meets my needs financially, but maybe it was too easy or it wasn't fulfilling or it was horrible for whatever reason, and I can think of a very specific job as I describe this. When I left that old job, finding one that better matched my skills helped me feel fulfilled, and it drove me to be a better worker. Uh, it drove, you know, I, I went from a corporate structure to my own, my own work, so I challenged myself more because I was being you know, kind of everything in this, in this new job space. So it was very challenging, it was interesting, I was solving problems, that sort of thing. When that's your job situation, right, it's pretty unlikely that you'll wanna go back to that old work environment. If you can find a cr and create a fulfilling job, then you're less likely to wanna go back to that old job situation. The same is true with your old habits. Going back seems silly when you've created a more fulfilling and enriching way of living. So. To assist in building this new life, I want to offer two simple habits that are going to help you build a more fulfilling life. The first is to say no. <laughs> now, that might seem too simple or maybe even counter to creating a fulfilling life. You know, there are even books out there that are like, say yes. Um, and I think a lot of us were taught, especially around church and our, our families, that service is the highest ideal, and doing everything that we can to serve is meaningful. And I would simply say to that, yes. And saying no to doing everything you're asked to do can help create balance in a busy, stressful life. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit this phrase a little bit, but it's, it's a phrase that I use often, which is, if it's not a heck yes, it's a heck no. Saying yes out of duty or obligation because you think you're supposed to is pretty likely to overload your plate and begin to create resentment. I think if I look back on my life, um, an example of this idea of always saying yes, even if it's not a heck yes, uh, was in our sexual relationship. I would say yes to Zach because I was trying to manage him. I was trying to um, keep him happy with me or I was trying to keep him from you know, resenting me 
in in the sexual relationship. So I would say and yes. Turning to porn. Like yeah, you, and you turning to porn yeah. earlier in a relationship. Um, and that was really all that did for me was it built resentment in me. And I began to resent Zach and our sexual relationship instead of um, enjoying it and finding freedom in it. And when I was always saying yes, it was impossible for me to actually step in to our sexual relationship in real ways and ways that were fulfilling for both myself and for our relationship. And I wasn't able to say yes because it was always a yes. It wasn't ever me genuinely choosing it because that was what I wanted. Yeah, there was no freedom in it. When Zach started to say no to me, if you've been listening a long time, you will remember the stories of when Zach started saying no to me. When Zach started saying no to me, uh, to the things that I wanted and I often would demand, I began to see that when he said yes, it was real and meaningful and he actually meant it. It was something that he was doing from a place of love and honest connection rather than a place of obligation and resentment. He was choosing it because he wanted to, not so that he could get something from me or make me happy. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the same thing went in our sex life when I stopped saying yes just because I think Zach could genuinely feel the difference in the energy that I brought to our sexual relationship when I was genuinely choosing yes and choosing in versus just trying to placate him. Yeah, and often within our lives, we're really, we are trying to fulfill a role about what we think we're supposed to be doing. That, I believe, is one of the reasons we say yes when what we really need to say is no. In, I, oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I'm going to yeah, cut go you ahead. off yeah, here. Do it. And, and, and this is so true, like, on both sides, both genders, right? We have such strong roles, and that's kind of how we were raised. It's our culture. And so we want to fulfill those roles, right? Because... Fulfilling those roles means that we are successful, that we have arrived, we are good. Yeah, and this isn't to say throw out all the roles. What it is to say is you need to be willing to observe your role because roles are important in life, right? And really choose them yeah. from a place of integrity. Yeah. like Because there are, there are some roles that Zach is way better at. For instance, podcast editing. like That is genuinely his role. I have no idea how to do it. And I, I sh I'm sure I could learn it, but that is something that Zach has taken on and I don't worry about. And, and that's okay, right? We, it, roles aren't bad. That's not what we're saying. It's just when we simply have roles and we follow them because that's what we're supposed to do and we have to do them, it's a very different meaning frame than I have a role and I'm choosing it and, and it's for the best. Yeah. It's what we've decided works best for us and our relationship. Yeah, and we talk about this really in depth within the within Thrive Beyond Pornography, both in the membership and in, in individual coaching. And these these three stages of cognitive agency, roles and rules, is one of them. And you have to have roles and rules. And when you take on these specific roles in, in your life and you try to follow the rules that we that you believe that you have to follow that's not a bad thing necessarily. And for me, you know, I thought being a good husband meant that I 
my job is to make Darcy happy. I mean, I don't know how many times have you how many times have you heard if those wife, uh, yeah, if wife's not happy, happy life, happy life right? Yeah, or wife's not happy, nobody's happy, or <laughs> we, mom's not happy, nobody's happy. And we, we the other day in Elders Quorum, one of the brother, Brother Hedge actually, he he said, My wife and I agreed when we first got married that she would make all the little decisions and I would make all the big decisions. And I'm happy to say after 50 years of marriage or however long they've been married, they've been married a long time, like 40 I think, years. I think it's 50. Yeah, it's pretty close. I think they just and, celebrated it. <laughs> he's like, I'm happy to say, and I'm sure you've heard this joke before, I'm happy to say that there has not been one major decision in our lives, right? Like this, this idea that we just like, Oop, I'm not in charge of anything, but I just have to make my wife happy. That's not it. And you know, if you think about it, husband is the role. The rule is to do everything we can to make our wife happy. Well, the third stage of cognitive agency, so stage two is roles and rules. Stage one is is fear and punishment, uh, and we can talk about that another time. But the the third stage of cognitive agency is to reference ourselves and do what's in integrity with who we are and who we want to be. It's an internal reference. It's not a let me do the job that I'm supposed to do reference. So what I'm hearing is not to only do what you want because you want to do it, but to do what is in line with who it is that you want to be and how you want to show up. Yeah, 100%. So you might say yes to something that you might not really want to do because they are important to you. Yeah, so when you say yes to things that, that are important to you, but that you don't want to do, you're, in, you're still in integrity with yourself, but you're choosing that from not a position of obligation, but from a position of, this is how I want my life to look. This is how I want my world to be. And I, I could see this, you know, lots of good examples of this with our children. The idea of like, you know, I might not necessarily want to go and sit at a volleyball tournament for 72 hours, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what it feels like, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a lot of, it's a lot of hours. That was my weekend last weekend. And although this isn't a good example because I actually love watching my daughter play volleyball, but oh, for swim, some... Oh, We could talk about swim. Yeah, swim. I hate going to swim. Yeah, Swim's swim the worst. Because like, your kid, you know, he's doing the 50 free and he's literally in the pool for 36 seconds. Uh, We're not talking... You're Even, not paying attention. It's like less than 24 seconds. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> and, and I mean, well, and then you're let's say the total there. action is 36 seconds from the time they get up on the block, right? And you're sitting there for literally hours. Yeah, but we go to those swim meets because we genuinely value our relationship with our child and being there to support him. So... That's kind of an example. Yeah, I think that's a great example. So when something comes up and you want to make a choice, say the elders quorum president asks you to help with a move, which happens all the time, and I have a rule about moves. I will give you an hour. Because we've moved a lot. Darcy and I have moved a lot in our lives. And our goal every time we've moved is to have everything ready to a point that it only takes us an hour to get everything in the truck. And we have done that. Every time we've moved, and we have, like I said, we've moved a lot. But I'll, I'll give you three questions that you should ask yourself anytime you're asked to participate in something. And this isn't just something that you don't want to do. It's, it's really everything in your life. You can really run almost everything in your life through this framework and see if it fits. So the first question is, do I want to do this thing or do I not want to do this thing? And then asking yourself, number two, why do I want to do this? 
or not do this. So what is what is the underlying reasons for wanting to choose this or not choose this? Yeah, so if you're saying yes because you want this person to think highly of you. Right. Or to think you're a good elder. Right. That might not be the best motivation for saying yes. Yeah, and, and that brings us to the third question, which is, do I like my reasons for wanting to do this or not wanting to do this? So putting it in that context, I think really gives you a clear yes or no. And I realize that, you know, that seems like a lot of questions maybe to ask yourself <laughs> right in the moment, you know, the bishop or the elders quorum president standing in front of you saying, hey, will you help move sister so-and-so on Saturday? But I, I promise you, the more you run this framework, the quicker you get at it. And using for me, for me personally, because I'm someone that says yes to basically everything, I've had to learn to say something along the lines of, let me take a look at my calendar and I'll get back to you on that. Or let me check in with what's going on in our home life and I will get back to you on that. So then it gives me some time to really choose what it is that I'm going to do. Because on the spot, I will always say yes, no matter what someone asks me. And so, <laughs> and then I end up resenting it or I'm angry about it. Yeah. You know, if in the past, if someone called me to ask me to bring a meal to someone, I have always done it. I have never, ever, ever said no to it. And a few months ago, the sweet sister in our ward that calls every time says, hey, could you bring a meal to so-and-so? And it was like a really, really, really hard week for me. And it was so hard for me to say no. But I did it because I knew that I could not bring that meal to this sister. From a clear place. For, yeah, and not feel resentment towards what it was that I was doing because I personally was so overloaded that week that it was like taking on one more responsibility was just too much and I knew I would break and in the past I would have said yes and then that would have um, my behavior would get negative and angry and I would get snappy with the kids and I would be really not happy with Zach right because I took on more than I could handle and as a result of this action of saying yes when I really meant no uh, there was a downstream effect of how it affected my family. Yeah. And the issue here is that when we don't learn how to say no, whether it's to the elders quorum president or to our spouse, I found, for me personally, that I was resentful towards her. And, and she, you know, she would ask for things that I didn't want to give, but I felt like I needed to give those things in order to keep her happy and to keep her happy with me, which was really what I was striving for. I was striving for her to be happy with me. A really clear example of this for me is that you used to give me foot rubs like every day, like every morning. I would beg you to rub my feet and you would give me, you would rub my feet. Um, and I would not get out of bed until you would rub my feet because my feet would hurt when I stood on them in the morning. And I would generally fuss and whine until you would do it because I knew that I could get you to do it even when you didn't want to. Yeah, that was actually pretty frustrating for me because when, even when I would rub your feet, you, you, know, you would often complain it wasn't long enough or do this one or whatever it was. So I really I stopped doing it for a while, and I got to the point where it really frustrated me, and even you asking me was annoying. So it became this battle where I knew that if I didn't do it 
I was I was just not making you happy, and sometimes you'd even get mad at me. So internally, I was kind of conflicted. And you're not like that now. So to be clear, she's grown up a lot, but it was pretty difficult because I I felt like I wasn't doing my job if I didn't take care of you in the way that you wanted to be taken care of. And this is totally a two-way street as well because you could reverse the roles and insert sex whenever we were talking about foot massages. And I would say that I felt pretty much the same way as you did. I know. I used to be such a whiny baby. You, yes. Yes, I did. Very much so, a whiny baby. <laughs> I, I, I think this is why it's so important to learn this skill in order to really get to a place where you can keep going in your progress away from choosing porn and keeping that from impacting your relationship. When we give in and we violate our sense of self, that sovereign person that w- who wants to belong to themselves, I want to belong to me, she wants to belong to her, that's when we seek out escapist behavior in order to manage our sense of self. Which brings us to the second thing that every person who's moving beyond pornography needs to do in order to keep going and keep succeeding. I cannot tell you how many times I ask the this question that I'm going to ask here in a minute, and the answer is nothing. Literally nothing. That's what they all say. So the question I ask as men start to grow past their pornography choices and they're trying to figure out next steps is, what's something that you do that's just for you and that you do regularly in order to fill your your cup? And it's really pretty extraordinary how probably 90% of the people I ask this question of, they look at me and they're, <laughs> they're a little bit bewildered. And they, it's almost like I'm speaking a totally different language. And I speak three languages, so I can ask this question in at least three languages. And they think about it, and, they th- and then they like, say, they just, they're like, nothing. I don't, I don't do anything. And y- y- you watch the wheels turn, and it's a, it's a fascinating moment to watch the wheels turn in these guys' heads because they're like, what do I do for me? Uh, and I kind of have a theory about how this ties into pornography. One of the reasons I believe that many men and women choose porn, and this obviously is not the only reason, but I think it can be one of the reasons, and I think it's a meaningful reason. I believe many people choose porn as a way to escape because it is something that they can call their own and that they don't have to share with others. It's something that they do, that they can own 100% wholly, without having to share it with their spouse or with anyone else in their life. I could see how that could possibly be true. Um, why, why do you think that that might be? Well, I think it's partly because of the taboo nature of it, like partly because, you know, it can really, it, I, I mean, you just never do it in, open, in the open. It's really basically an activity that you do in secret. It's, you know, it's so bad, right? We think, oh, this is so bad that even talking about it among our friends is taboo. You know, if you have a hobby and you love it, you'll talk to your friends about it. You'll actually have friends who do it with you. But this you never do with someone else. And it takes on this meaning of being all for me, just for me, and not for anyone else in any way. But I think this is one of the reasons that we need to start choosing activities, hobbies, whatever it is, that fill our cups. Because there's value in men being manly and engaging in masculine activities. I think for some people listening, they might hear what you just said and say, well, that's selfish, or he needs to fix his relationship and be home more. I think that it's clear from what you're saying that staying home more, being with the family more, is possibly one of the reasons he isn't filling his cup and engaging in things that he enjoys. So instead of 
being able to openly choose those kinds of healthy activities, he may be seeking out easy, high dopamine activities that he can hide and keep secret, which isn't an excuse. It's just an observation. When you chose porn, you were choosing it. But one of the things that you had to do was grow up a bit in our relationship. And instead of taking care of yourself by choosing porn, you had to begin to choose things that were activities that you actually liked and enjoyed doing instead of porn. Like, for instance, this past year you played flag football. And to be honest, I didn't love it because you were working, you know, Wednesday nights late and then Tuesday night you were working, had evening calls, and then Thursday was flag football. So it felt like, gosh, like you're basically gone every night. I didn't love it. But I also know that you love playing football. In our marriage over the last 20 years, this has been something that you have consistently loved, and any chance that you ever got to play, you would play. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I really, in this vein, I had to be willing to endure the discomfort of your dislike, your discomfort, right? You didn't like this hobby, and I had to grow up, and I had, I had to be willing to disappoint you for my own happiness so I could fill my cup. And I think this isn't to say that being rude or dismissive about your partner's feelings is okay or good, because it's not, but I think we think too often, in fact, that we have to agree on everything if we're going to be in a marriage. And that's just not the case. I, I, I had a call on Thursday, so our open coaching call on Thursday. I had a client who was like, I can't tell my wife these things because she won't agree. And that's the wrong attitude to have because you have to be able to belong to yourself in a real and meaningful way openly. And that means that you won't always agree with your spouse's perspective. But, you, but in that process, you still have to be willing to see it from their perspective. And I think that's a really good definition of, of differentiation. Being able to belong to yourself by not always agreeing with your spouse while being able to belong to your spouse because you are willing to see it from their perspective and account for that in your choices. That, I think, is creating a space for you to choose the activities that fill your cup. And I think that's really important. It's, I, it's an essential component of each person's ability to move beyond pornography for good. Well, so... I'm going to just take this extreme. Yeah, do it. This isn't in our script. I'm going off script here. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I think that a man could be very selfish totally. and could do all of the things for himself, right? He could mm-hmm. be going on the backpacking trip and going to football and going to the movies and doing all of the things and neglecting any responsibility at home and leaving all the burden on his wife, right? So he could be doing all of the good things, but it doesn't fill his cup because it's not an integrity. I mean, it might fill his cup, but it wouldn't be belonging, right? It wouldn't be, lo- it wouldn't be belonging to the relationship and belonging to your spouse. Yeah, it would be well, only I guess what I'm saying yourself, is which is you wouldn't f- if, if, if you are taking, right, yeah. if you're in a relationship and you're constantly taking and you're never giving and you're not showing up equally, you're not going to feel good about yourself, Right, you're going to not feel good about yourself, and then when you don't feel good about yourself, you're gonna choose porn to feel better. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think I think that there's space for choosing things that you enjoy, for not always agreeing, and for making it making it okay 
that we don't agree. But what neither you or I are advocating is being that guy or being that woman who is like, it's my way or the highway. I'm all about me and I'm going to take care of me. And you also have to take care of me. Because what's ha- what would happen in that relationship, right, where the guy's just always going off and doing his backpacking thing, I would imagine that the likelihood that the wife is crossing the line, that she's not belonging to herself, but she's belonging just to him, she's violating herself. So she has to be willing to stand on her side of that street and say, no, you know, you've been backpacking every single weekend this month. That's not going to fly with me. That's not going to work. That's not a relationship. Right. You like there there has to be that that push on both sides so that each person can come to the line, because if if that guy is just off doing whatever he wants, that's not a relationship. Yeah. And I guess I wanted to just address that because there could be no totally some women or some husbands even that are listening to this. It's like my wife does everything. She goes and does all the fun things and I'm left working all day and then I have to come home and take care of the kids and put the kids to bed and do it all. Or, Which we have had clients where that's the reality. Yeah. Or, you know, because, you know, he looks at porn, so, so I got to yeah. I gotta make sure that I do everything else to make their, her happy. Her and happy, I think right. that was very much our relationship yeah. dynamic in the beginning. Or it could be that, you know, sometimes I might talk to a wife whose husband just is does whatever he wants whenever he wants, and it's like she's just there to uh, essentially take care of the house and the kids and and there isn't really any relationship. So Yeah, so this I is I just a, wanted this is to address this. So yeah, it's not totally. like oh, you know, I got to just be selfish and do whatever I want. Well, <laughs> and I think that this is the fatal flaw in the book what's it called? The book No More Mr. Nice Guy. No More Mr. Nice Guy is a great premise, which is stop being so nice just to get what you want. Stop pretending that you are totally okay with whatever just so you can get more sex or get your wife to love you more or whatever it is. But unfortunately, I think in that book, I think it's Dr. Glover, takes it to this extreme where he is that guy who's like, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want, and you can show up if you want, but I'm off doing my thing, right? I don't think he really chooses to belong in a relationship. And I'm not saying that divorce is bad, but, you know, he's on at least his third wife uh, uh, the last time I read his book. So that tells me that something is not being given there. And, and it's, this is a give and take and it's a space that you're going to have to work on. It's not just my way, the highway. It is in real and meaningful terms. I want my way. What is good about that? And how can I belong to myself while also belonging to my partner? And, and seeing what is bad about wanting your way as well, being well, able to acknowledge that and address it. I mean, last night we were, we were just talking about this, and we were talking how oftentimes, um, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have very uh, strict roles yeah. and, and, and rules. Right. And oftentimes, sometimes, I would say often. Too often, probably. Yeah, too often we get so tied down to all of the obligation and things that we have to be doing to be good enough and to, you know, check all the boxes that we aren't creating space to actually enjoy life, to have joy. And so I'm in the homeschool, LDS homeschool world. And so it's like the homeschool moms have an added 
role, right? Which is to homeschool be our children teacher, yeah. and be the teacher and the educator. And so in my group, if you say, hey, I want to go on a girls, girls weekend, like, crickets nobody's in and and in the homeschool world there's a group of women that they've all left the church and it's like they go down to vegas for the weekend and they have like little like parties where they get together and i just i joke that like apparently you have to leave the church to create a group of friends that is willing to step away from their role of wife and mother and and feed themselves and go have fun yeah and i'm i'm totally stereotyped typing the situation right. but in my small world that has been my experience i realize that's not the experience for everyone and i think i think that's important to recognize is that essentially what we do instead of having friends or and i'm not saying having friends is the end all be all but instead of filling our cup and sometimes that involves engaging with people who aren't our children and who aren't our spouse that means that we have to be willing to step out of that role of like, well, I got to fulfill all the duties and check all the boxes and make sure that, you know, my house is spotless and my children are perfect and all those things. Instead of doing all of that, which I think will often come when we can show up fully because we have filled our cup, because we have been willing to create joy and happiness for ourselves. And if we don't do that, then we go back to porn. We go back to things that, aren't really within our value structures, but that are easy. I just wanted to share this example. So last weekend, or not last weekend, last week, Zach got invited to go over to a friend's house, and they were going to, like, hang out and play games. And it was just, like, a handful of them. And it was a Wednesday night, so Zach already has calls late on Wednesday night. And then he gets off his calls at 8.30 on Wednesday nights, and then he went and hung out with some guy friends until, like, 11 o'clock at night. And... My initial reaction is, are you kidding me? Seriously? <laughs> like, you're seriously, are, you worked all day and now you're going to play? Like, that's my, that's my initial reaction. But then when I actually can calm myself down and look at it objectively, it's like, yes, like, this is great. This is a good thing for him because he is going to go, he's going to have man time, he's going to fill his cup, and he is going to come home and one have stories and things to talk about because he had different experiences than say I did at home. But he also gets to create relationships that are good and that will build him up. And I know on the other side, if my friends are like, Hey, do you want to get together for a girl's night? Which like I said earlier, rarely happens because they're so busy being wife, mom and homeschool mom uh, that he's always like, yeah, go have fun. I'll see you when you get back. And so I guess I just wanted to share that example. Yeah, is I, I think that that's sometimes your initial reaction is not always like, oh, yes, go. And like even me as, you know, all the work that we've done, my still initial reaction sometimes is like, oh, are you kidding me? But <laughs> but then. Confes- confessions of, yeah. a, of a homeschool mom right there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But I think that's I think that's a good observation on your part as to what it takes to be a a spouse who is willing to reevaluate your initial reactions, be a spouse who's willing to deal with the discomfort. Because I know you would rather spend time with me than me spend time with people playing games and whatever. But I think there's there's some 
I think there's some value in being able to have a different experience than your spouse. And for me, being able to get around a bunch of dudes and talk about dude things, I mean, it's not like we're talking about anything crude or crass or whatever, but there's a different feeling than it is if, you know, I'm around you and some wives. If we'd invited our wives, it would have been a totally different feeling. Yeah. And, and that's really what it's about. It's about creating space for yourself to enjoy belonging to yourself and create meaningful activities and relationships that aren't just within the quote-unquote roles and rules that we're supposed to be living as, as Latter-day Saints. Well, and I think, you know, we could go back to an example of the sexual relationship. Yeah, right? let's talk about sex. Like, it's really easy <laughs> to be like, no, like, as a wife, no, I'm tired, I had a hard day, I'm stressed, I the kids were annoying, I'm touched out, you know, we can find every excuse in the books to say no. And I'm sure for the husbands that are listening, they're like, yep, heard that excuse. I got a headache, (laughs) you know, all the things, right? But one of the things that as we've both grown, it's it's the idea of like, okay, can I say yes to this from a place of willingness? Meaning I'm willing to try, sure. It might not work, but I'm willing to try to see if it can become a heck yes. Right right now, it's not a heck no, but it's like, mm, it's not a heck yes either, but I'm willing to give it a try to see if it becomes a heck yes. And so... Yeah, creating space there within that relationship to belong to each other. Because I know that being intimate is good for our marriage, and in the end, it ends up, you know... Nine, 99 out of 100 times being amazing and worth it. So, yeah. And I think that's, that's important acknowledgement is if you're l- looking to create space to fill your cup and your initial reaction is always a no. No, you can't go do this. No, I'm not going to participate. Being able to say, wait a minute, I want to create something here that's more valuable than this no. Do I like my reasons for saying no? going back to the earlier questions, right? Yeah. I like my reasons for saying no here. And if you do, that's great. There's no problem there. Especially as a wife, you know, <laughs> sometimes sometimes husbands don't want sex, sometimes wives don't want sex. That's pretty common in the reality that we that we deal with. Do I like my reasons for saying no? And am I willing to create space to fill my cup within this activity, sex in particular, right? Can I... Can I create space to try this so that I can fill my cup? And, and, and I think it can go even further. If I'm always saying no, right? Say yeah. I'm always saying no and I always like my reasons for yeah. saying no. Is that going to create the ultimate relationship that I do want with my spouse? Yeah. Because that's the end goal, right? So right. it's like, it's not even necessarily that, but it's like, is this going to create the, the healthy, intimate, sexual relationship that I do want, if that's what I want, then saying no every time, even if I like my reason, might be worth looking at. So that's a place to push on, right? Yeah. That's a place to go, I like my reasons for this, but are my reasons valid enough and important enough for me to create the relationship that I want that's separate and different than than what I might be creating if I always say no or I always say yes and I actually like my reasons for that. It's, 
and and these I think that brings me to a whole nother point that I probably could have considered before this, but it's it's really about growth. Mm-hmm. It's about growing beyond the the pattern that you have right now. So th- this learning how to say no and creating space for yourself to fill your cup and taking care of yourself, this is about growth. It's not about you know always go in one direction or always go in another direction. It's about can I push myself to become better and be the best version of of me. Yeah, totally. I love that. And when we are pushing ourselves, which I think I kind of made this point earlier, that is fulfilling. That's much more fulfilling than, yeah. than just saying no or saying yes or always just doing what I want and not belonging to my spouse, whatever that looks like. So that's kind of awesome. Right. That last uh, 20 minutes was off the cuff. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, hopefully you, you enjoyed it and you yeah, got something out Hopefully it. it's awesome. And feel free to share this podcast. We love when you guys share this podcast. We love when... We get new listeners and new reviews. So please review the podcast. We, you know, if you review this podcast, people see it. So even if you are And not, it makes me happy. Yeah, it does and make And that's all about making me happy, she's right? Like, oh, we got, oh, another, we got, a we got review. another five-star review. Did they, <laughs> did they write anything? And honestly, if you don't feel like you can share this podcast with anybody directly because you're like, listen, I'm not sharing what it is that's going on for me with everybody in the world. If you review the podcast, that's as good as a share because then more people will see the podcast. So it's it's awesome of you to be here listening. Do something. Take action. Whether that's signing up for a consult, doing a review, whatever it is. Signing up for our webinar. Signing this up Thursday. for the free webinar this Thursday. All of that is awesome. All right, my friends. We love you guys. We love talking about porn. I know that's a weird thing to say out loud, but <laughs> It's our favorite. It's our favorite. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.